0: Catch the Tech Branch with Marlo Anderson and Steve Bakken on Supertalk
1: 1270, Saturday afternoons 1 till 4 on Supertalk 1270. It's time for Talk of the Town on Supertalk 1270. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty. Peak Automotive and Service and Silver Ranch.
2: Good morning, my friends. This is Talk of the Town on SuperDoc 1270 on a very chilly Friday morning. That wind is nasty. It's going to be windier uh, later on today and through the weekend as well. But a uh, little light at the end of the tunnel as we get into Sunday and Monday as temperatures start warming up finally and uh, actually above freezing in the forecast. So looking forward to that. Uh, it is Friday and I look forward to one thing, of course, uh, SuperDoc 1270, the home of the Bismarck Bobcats and uh, Tom uh, Briggle, the owner of the Bobcats, joining us on the program right now. Tom, uh g- going to be a good weekend. Uh, we've got Austin coming to town, and you guys have been battling back and forth playing Austin. Quite It seems like uh, they've been on the schedule a lot lately.
3: Yeah, well, we played them uh, in their barn a few weeks ago, and you might remember that uh, Friday night they went to a 30-man shootout. Crazy we shootout. kind of kicked, kicked their butts on Saturday, but so they're going <laughs> to come up with a little bit of fire... Uh, In their belly because we we uh, we really outplayed them that weekend and so it'll be interesting and Austin is almost my favorite team to play because when I just their style of play and our style of play. They're similar, and it's just good hockey. So they're, they're kind of my
2: favorite teams on the hockey standpoint. Um, one of the things, uh, yeah, they showed up last night, and, uh, gee, that team's look softly young. I was there for the Century uh, <laughs> Mandan hockey game at the VFW last night, and uh, Austin rolled mm-hmm. in, and they were watching the game. And uh, um, you and I were talking off the air a little bit. Uh, you know, there was a controversial first goal for Century last night. Uh, a goal judge didn't turn the light on. The refs never asked, uh, but they gave the goal uh, to Century for a one lead and i'm sitting right there next to the goal judge i'm watching and didn't cross the line um mm. okay and the refs later like yeah we made a mistake um one of the things you've got in the nhl now is instant replay for taking a look at goals and, and things like that that changed the game a little bit
3: yeah it, it does you know uh we've been really wanting to do it for several years it's It's not an inexpensive endeavor, but really at the end of the day, um, the refs are young and and they will make mistakes. Sounds like maybe one was made, but at the end of the day, if you can have instant replay, you got to get the goals right. Like you can screw up on calls and that kind of thing, but we've just decided the goals have to be right because you look at our division in particular, I mean, it's always gets decided by one or two games, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it's just important to get the goals right so that uh, it goes right. So this year, we, you know, if, if fans look up, you know, in the sky in the VFW, they'll see some cameras above the goal lines, and and then we have iPads. It's all wireless, and they get a chance, they being the rest to to review uh, for goals, and and there's an opportunity for a coach to um, challenge. Uh, once a game to decide if they want to have a goal looked at and you know what it does it takes the stress out of the, the game it's stressful for the coaches it's stressful for the players it's honestly stressful for the refs i mean they want to get it right so it's just taken that whole aspect of the game and you know made it more not perfect but more like the nhl where Yes, chance to look at the goals and a lot and at that. stake,
2: and it's about getting it right. Not uh, <laughs> that, that's the most important thing. Just you know, take it the, take a few minutes, get it right.
3: Yeah, for sure, no doubt about it, and it's been great this year across our whole league. Uh, people have just loved
2: having it. Well, we've got Austin in town this weekend, and of course, uh, home rink advantage. Uh, there's none other in the NAHL, like the Bobcats have here at the VFW Arena in Bismarck. Uh, And, of course, part of it is the show. Brad does a great job of putting the pieces together, the entertainment stuff. And, uh, of course, you guys always run some great specials for the games.
3: Yeah, the entertainment's been good. So tonight, tonight, you know, the crowd's been great. We're almost sellout every night. I think we only have about 100 tickets tonight, maybe a few hundred for tomorrow. But tonight, for example, Marathon Oil's coming. They got 350 folks. So they'll, I'll uh, be putting away some of Holly's, uh, um, actually pulled uh, pork, and then uh, we'll go out and raise a little hell. So it's been really good that way, and uh, the fans have been great. You you say that, you know our fans are the best, and you and know, I talked about it's so cliche, but honestly our venue and our uh, show and you know our fan base is just it's unbelievable, really. It's just it's remarkable, and we really appreciate it. But so tonight, when you talk about fans, so tonight, Taco Del Mar is a big sponsor, and and they're going to give out 1,200 rally towels. And so hopefully, fans will get up there, the first 1,200, get a rally towel, and uh, hopefully they get a chance to wave that baby. (laughs) Uh, It's it's very cool. It it looks like a jersey. (laughs) And uh, Brad designed it, along with Pat Engelhardt down there, at Taco Del Mar, and it's just, they're really crazy and really nice. So get up there to the game, and... You just have to rally towel and then be sure to wear it. You bet. Wear that.
2: Bring your cowbell. Life's good. Leave the booze oil at home. Not a fan of those. Uh, but uh, a lot of great special... You know, you, you guys have been selling out a lot of games, so...
4: More
2: uh, hard. No, no, no. More cowbell. Uh, so one of the uh, tickets, of course, uh, if you need to know about the Bobcats, uh, BismarckBobcats.com if you need to get tickets. Also, a great way to kind of get in a lot of different special things is download the Bobcat app. Uh Tom, where are you at on tickets this weekend?
3: Well, like I said, uh, tonight I think there's about a hundred tickets left and then you know, we have a couple hundred standing room, and we don't go, you know, over the fire marshal thing, but uh people line the stands and steps. It's just it's a great time. And then tomorrow I think we have about three hundred left, but they'll be a sellout um it'll be a sellout by game time. So if you want to get tickets, you know, go ahead and get them. And Oh, by the way, if you want to bring out a group, I'll bring that up at the office and you want to bring out a company or a group. Uh, it's really a great time. People are really having fun, I think.
2: Well, and you guys got the party rooms, too, so you can put together some uh, really group experiences, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a bonding issue or, or somebody's having a birthday party or an anniversary, great way to do a little celebrations yeah. with the Bobcats, uh, have a little pizza party and have a good time.
3: Absolutely, a lot of birthday parties, Scratch birthday parties, so Scratch comes along and we all send kind the of pictures and Jerry clean cakes and uh lot of the lawns involved.
2: I mean, it's, it's a really good party, that well for sure. Austin in town yeah, tonight. You. you can catch all the action right here on SuperDuck 1270. Get to the arena, bring your radio with you because you can hear the play-by-play, which is a great way to watch the game, uh, but it probably will sell out tonight, so get your tickets, bismarckbobcats.com. Tom, best of luck tonight.
3: Yeah, we're looking forward to the weekend.
2: We'll see you soon. All right. Tom Briggle, owner of the Bismarck Bobcats. This is Talk of the Town on Supertalk 12. Super.
5: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.
2: You're tuned to Talking of the Town, Supertalk 1270. I'm Steve Bagan. Uh, of course, uh, we are the home of the Bismarck Bobcats. It's going to be a great, great uh, series this weekend with Austin. You can catch all the action right here on Supertalk 1270. Joining me in the studio right now, Jenna Gullo, uh, United Way, uh, MSA United Way, and uh, Jenna, um this cold snap, you guys have been a little strapped with the homeless shelter, haven't you?
6: Well, it's just been so sad. I mean, just so sad because there's nowhere else for people to go. And so many places do close when it's icy or snowy, um, which wasn't necessarily the case this last cold spell. But we were asked to take in... People beyond who we normally serve, because we're a substance-free shelter, so we have a lot of people who are in recovery at our shelter. We have a lot of families, a lot of children, and so people who we serve—it's about a hundred, usually around a hundred homeless people at night. Um, you know, it's a it's substance-free, and so we were asked to also take in people under the influence, people actively using drugs and alcohol. And we said yes, because there was literally nowhere else to go and they'd die. Well,
2: I I know you guys have, uh, you know, what your capacity is, but you also have and it's been remarkable to watch um, where you make room for people, because it, it seems like you have the ability when things are really pressed, things are really stressed Uh, you have the ability to go over the capacity in a safe manner. That's got to be a nightmare for you guys and for staff that are working, but you make it work somehow.
6: Well, thank you for saying that. Um, There's no other option. I mean, we're not going to let people die outside in the cold. They can't even walk to get food. And so it turns into not just needing a safe place to be, but also needing food and, um, you know, everything that you need to take care of yourself so yeah, so minister on the margins, uh, bust people over to us during the daytime um, when because they are usually open ten p.m. to six a.m. and I think they extended their hours to eight a.m. So ten p.m. to eight a.m. or I'm not clear on if they opened up a, maybe eight p.m. But um, then they bust their folks over to us, and so we just accepted absolutely everyone. We tried. To still protect people in recovery? Because it's so hard. You have someone actively using meth (laughs) or intoxicated. You can't have them sitting right next to a family who's homeless and near those children. You can't have them sitting. Or somebody
2: who's trying to go through recovery.
6: Someone on methadone who just had a relapse who's back staying with us. It's very, very complicated and very, very sad because we want to help everybody. And so we're doing what we can. So during the cold spell, which would continue on today, it's still pretty cold out. Um, we're just filling that need Light for at the, the city. Light the end of the
2: tunnel Sunday into Monday. So
6: I hope is, so. Yeah, Dear told. Lord.
2: So, um, hey, a uh, little positive. Uh, you guys have your luncheon coming up. We do. Uh, that, that is around the corner. So uh, more of a positive note. Uh, kind yeah. Of a, uh, year-in-review opportunity.
6: Right, and people can learn what some community needs are. We celebrate people um, and agencies who are filling many of those needs and also many businesses and donors. It's, it's an opportunity for everyone to just come together and celebrate all the good things happening in our community. Well, it's
2: the United Way Luncheon, but it, it's really that opportunity to celebrate all of your partners, everybody that you work with, all of the nonprofits that... Uh, um, do so much work within the community
6: yeah it's it's really fun um, it's March 21st tickets are only $20 and businesses or individuals can sponsor a table for $350 or they can be an event sponsor for $500 so people can go online or give us a call
2: And uh, as far as getting tickets or sponsoring a table, how do they do that?
6: Yeah, give us a call, uh, 255-3601, or you can just go and get tickets online at msaunitedway.org. It's it's really quick. It's uh, 1130 to 1 p.m. We have Miss North Dakota, Sydney Helgeson, is going to be emceeing our luncheon, so that's exciting. And um, we just have a lot of really good people in the community that we want to celebrate and lift up. and and recognize a lot of businesses who help us out every year.
2: One other thing, uh, Giving Hearts Day is coming up, and that's of course a big fundraiser for MSA United Way and all of your partners.
6: Yes, so it's February 8th. People can give online through Giving Hearts Day. We're specifically focusing on our efforts to raise money for hunger and homelessness uh, in our community since we focus the majority of our campaign on our nonprofit partners and trying to support them.
2: And if somebody wants to give to MSA United Way for Giving Hearts Day to, to help support some of your partners, how do they do that
6: um they go on the giving hearts day website or they can let us know or we're actually looking for a match opportunity and so um you know
2: which is the best way to give
6: right Right? Because then you can double your dollars and you can incentivize other people to double your dollars. It's that their challenge dollars.
2: part there. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give and I challenge the rest of the office to do the yeah. same. Yeah,
6: and you know, we do it a little differently. We only say it's a match if it's new money. We don't count. We don't go, hey Steve, you donate to us every year. Can we use your match? We don't do it that way because we want it to truly be a matching opportunity so you know we're going to get Five extra dollars. If you want to sponsor a backpack for $5, you're going to actually be sponsoring two backpacks because of that match. It's new money.
2: Uh, once again, the website uh, for all things United Way MSAUnitedWay.org. Uh, this is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 127.
7: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Without apology, The Regular Joe Show with Joe Giganti. Weekday evenings at 9 on Supertalk 1270 and the free Supertalk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty. Peak Automotive and Service and Silver Ranch. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on
2: SuperDuck 1270. I'm Steve Biken along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. You can catch The Crude Life Sunday mornings 10 a.m. right here on SuperDuck 1270. And Jason, I, I wanted to drag you into this a little bit because we're talking about some North Dakota stuff and some of the things at play. Charles Tuttle joining us on the program as well. And you know i I watched uh you know charles we 're going to talk about schools here right now, but i I watched a uh, an article on the news last night, uh, a little news piece about this wonderful program that the uh, the state is getting involved with and Governor Bergham gave one point five million dollars to this program to give bikes to the schools to the elementary schools so kids to learn how to uh, how to ride bikes and I watched somebody from the state come on and go this is such a wonderful opportunity with uh, the the state being able to provide these bikes for kids that don't have this opportunity uh, because we need to teach them. Uh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> There's a line where the state should not cross of educating kids because... And it sounds like a wonderful program. If somebody wants to fundraise and do this privately without my tax dollars, I'm all in. I'll donate. I'm good with this. It's a great program. But when the, somebody from the state says, it's our job to make sure that these kids know how to ride a bike because they don't have these opportunities at home. There's something that's triggered in me about infringing on parenting. Maybe a parent doesn't want their child to ride a bike. Maybe they live on a busy street. They think it's dangerous. Who knows? But that falls under the purvey of the government taking over parenting to me. It, it just triggered something in me. And then I got into a discussion with my wife, who's a, an educator, and she's like, what, "What? that's a great program. I'm like, yeah, on the surface it is, it is, but look what also it's doing. It's spending my tax dollars in some place that if I were a parent, I may or may not deem fit for my tax dollars to be spent at. But it's also growing government. Mm can we stop doing that in the state and, and the reason I bring this up is because we're going to talk a little bit about education right now and what's going on up in Williams County
4: well hey let's, let's look at that a little deeper Steve and how government wants to separate parents from the kids and, they, and you want the kids in a communist state to worship the government not their parents in a conservative and state like North
2: Dakota little things like that are insidious
4: Yes, yes, and it's going on. In fact, I'm being told in a lot of these schools, kids are at being asked daily if they feel safe at home with their parents, if their parents have weapons or how many weapons, and it, there's all these kinds of questionnaires they're being given. And it, and it you remember, Bill Gates has six billion dollars in Common Core. Now we call it North Dakota standards, but you know, all of that is part of this this globalization where they have CNN two. They're not and our kids proficiency scores are in the tank. You know, Pearson actually like told some legislators that we have schools with zero proficiency. So they don't even have math. They don't have reading writing skills. We're taking all that away from them and giving them this indoctrination of gender confusion. But they, but they might have a bike now
2: theory. but now they might have a bike. So it's okay, right? Yeah
4: they got yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they'll really love the government. You know, Hitler gave a lot of his people cruises on the Mediterranean in Italy. I've read letters of people praising the Fuhrer for these cruises that he had given them. Yeah, you give them a loaf of bread in Rome, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's history repeating this stuff. So, so
2: Charles, coming back to uh, what's going on in... uh... Uh, Williams County uh, fill us in on on where you see things going right now
4: well we we had a young lady who went to the authorities to present a whole booklet of, of violations of law and the question is um, you know it's like every murder mystery who done it And you know, we got all this money missing 135 billion dollars was charged on credit card charges not approved by the board 375 million in question a $6.2 million loan from the city or or to the city for 6.2 acres that was never on the books, never approved by the city council. The mayor did this on a handshake. So, you know, the citizens there went to the sheriff and said, hey, we want this prosecuted. We want to find who done it, what's going on here. We were never told these disclosures when we had a vote to merge the two districts um it, it's just unbelievable and and guess what i've had conversations with the sheriff i've had them on my facebook you can listen to him the detective never interviewed one person never in it, but we closed the case there was no criminality sounds like the jason doctor no criminality then then the sheriff talked to the sheriff oh we had a criminal investigation then halfway through the conversations oh we didn't have a criminal investigation but you had a criminal complaint and it's like well well there really isn't anything to do and then we've got emails from DPI. I had a conversation with Dale Wetzel. And DPI's person told the sheriff. Now, now, remember, the detective who's supposed to be investigating this is calling DPI, asking them, what should we do? And DPI says to them, I would just tell them to get a lawyer and stop bothering you. That's an email we have. <laughs> wow,
2: that, that's your government set up to serve yep. the public, right? Yep.
4: Yep, they're all working together to hide this thing or whatever it is. And I said to the detective, look, the first day that the new superintendent arrived, the business manager who handles all the money walked out. Did you question her? Well, no. Really? Wouldn't that be the first person you'd question? Well, we didn't question anybody. Oh, yeah, you can listen to all these conversations on my Facebook. It's unbelievable.
2: Wow. And Jason, when you start, you and I have this conversation, Jason, all the time about um, what the role of government is right now. And we're seeing that metamorphosis, um, you know, like I said, we're seeing in a conservative state like North Dakota, the government getting influence over your kids and. It's glaring in a state like California that that they want to educate your kids. They want to indoctrinate your kids. They want to take parenting out of the equation. They think that they have more rights than parents do. But when you're looking at things like this taking place, uh, we're starting to see some cracks in the education system in North Dakota that may have been there for a while, but they're really starting to get glaring. Is it a case of being emboldened? Because, Jason, we see this across the state with other state agencies, There's an emboldening that's taking place, isn't there?
5: There's something happening because, you know, I'm down south here uh, doing doing some work down here. And in three different states that I've gone into, they actually have like signs, like boulevard signs, you know, like the Girl Scout cookie sale signs that they're looking for teachers. That's how bad the teacher shortage is in some of the Southern states here that I've seen to where they're advertising. And, I, and I'm like asking people like, don't you need a degree to be a teacher? They're just advertising this thing like it's a yard sale. Like anybody that drives by, oh, good. Look, they're hiring <laughs> teachers. But that's how bad off the teachers are right now. And when you take a look at why this is, it's a variety of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is leadership. It's the government Leadership, because if you ask 90% of the teachers, I'm sorry, if you ask teachers why they're leaving or why they've left, the 90% that I've talked to, at the end of the day, they go into teaching wanting to help children. They want to empower children. They want to take a child's fresh idea and let them expand it instead of sequestering it. And What they end up doing is being a middle person between the parents and the administrators. So the teachers are so afraid, are so tired, are so beaten down by the parents and the administrators that the children are the ones being left behind. Because remember, we used to have the Head Start program and then then we had no children left behind. Well, guess what? Somebody got screwed, Steve.
2: Absolutely. You know, Charles, part of the problem um, it, from the teachers I've talked to is if you take a look at a big picture, teachers don't get to teach anymore. Teachers, no. teachers get signed up to teach. They go into education because they had a great experience and they want to give back to the kids. They, they want to be around the kids and the youth and and quite often in small towns in North Dakota especially um you want to stay in the community it's a great place to have a great career uh you take a look at the 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 financial side of stuff because i remember when teachers were starting out at 265 back when i was in college and didn't work now you can actually make a pretty good living as a teacher um it's not just a uh, hey i'm going to go teach because uh my spouse is running the farm operation or the ag operation and that's a great supplement to trying to keep the farm or the the ranch afloat um is what it basically was, uh, back in the eighties. But now it's, it's a great career opportunity, but people go into it, Charles, wanting to help kids, but teachers don't get to teach anymore. They're babysitters. They're, they're go-betweens like Jar- Jason said. Well, and,
4: know, and who's running our schools? It's not the school boards anymore. It's no. the superintendents who are run by the union and the ND cell. And they have this, this have you know, if you look at, Century Code 15.1, which pertains to education in North Dakota, over half of it violates our Constitution. Our Constitution requires that we get a high degree of intelligence, patriotism, integrity, and morality. It says it right in there, of education. They're not doing any of that stuff. I'm just looking right now. I posted something that someone sent me, SB 2231, going woke and forcing teachers to use transgender pronouns. It's got all the senators, Judy Lee, Karen Kressbaum, you know, all uh, you know, Christian Roars, all of these voted to push this. And you got the, you know, you got the Speaker of the House. You got Dennis Johnson, Craig Headland. You got Mike Nacy, obviously. The same, Janet Jan Roars-Jones, you know, Shri- Shriver Beck. All of these people, you know, Brandy Pyle, Emily O'Brien, you know, John Nelson. These are all Democrats that are pretending to be Republicans have destroyed our educational system through legislation, and they're refusing to fund schools' constitution. The Constitution says that the legislative assembly shall provide for a uniform system of free public schools. And it says in Article 10, in public finance and debt, you can't use property tax to fund schools. Yet they're doing it. It goes
2: back to the usual suspects. We're up against a break right now. Uh, We're talking with Charles Tuttle uh, concerning some educational issues taking place and what's going on up in Williams County. There's some fallout for that taking place. Also, Jason Spee's with us this morning uh, from The Crude Life. You can catch Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back
1: to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270.
2: I'm Steve Bakken On a finally Friday, coming up next hour, we're going to talk with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish, a wrap-up of last season and the seasons that have wound up and what the opportunities are coming forward uh, for the next year and the outdoors here in North Dakota. Uh, we're talking with Charles Tuttle right now, also Jason Spees from The Crude Life. You can catch Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Uh, Charles, uh, transitioning a little bit because... Uh, a lot going on in politics, of course, Governor Burgum, uh, former candidate for uh, the Republican nomination for president, but now he's endorsing Trump. Um, and some of this comes back to we've got our convention and our Republican convention coming up right around the corner. Um, you're privy to some interesting things that are going to take place during the Republican Convention, and Burgum's right at the forefront of all this. Now, you got to remember, Burgum's the one that showed up at the convention in 2016 and said, hey, everybody here, screw you, but vote for me at the primary. So, he's well, one yeah, of the he ones got
4: that... got less than 2% of the vote. Yeah, and, the and,
2: and he, well, he, he wasn't <laughs> in the convention. Um, he said, hey, vote for that guy because I can beat him at the primary. So, I don't even think the convention should have let him speak at that event, but he thumbed his nose at the convention and now is uh, trying to come back to the convention. But there's some technology involved here that is rather interesting. Break that story for us.
4: Well, yeah, what they're trying to do, they're trying to have machines. They're going to pay $35,000 to have handheld machines to vote at the convention with maybe 1,000 people. And... And the technology, evidently, Arthur Ventures has has some stake in it, and they're trying to, um, you know, I, I you know, it, it's silly, it's silly. They're having a fight over whether we're going to use machines or or kids that we all have always had, young people that pages, but now they they want to replace those because we we have to have an expedient election, and it's like wait a minute, you took two hours, two and a half hours lunch break so John Hogan could, you know, ship in 187 delegates that were illegal at the last convention, and they did it the convention before that. So it's not, it's, it's something nefarious about these machines, and we just got to stop this nonsense of letting people like Bergum, you know, he's taking over all government with Microsoft and his technology, and he's taking... He's a dictator. He's violating the Constitution every way you look at it. And then he goes and runs and hunts down Donald Trump so that he can show that he's a Trump supporter now. He's never, ever, ever showed that he was a Trump supporter. In fact, when he was elected in 2016, Donald Trump invited all the new Republican governors to the White House, and he had refused to go. They had to drag him, kick in, and scream it to get him there. Because I was with him at his educational conference
5: that weekend. Well, I mean, when you take a look at what's happening with Governor Burgum and the direction he's going now, because remember, he's a politician now, so he'll switch on a dime. And my understanding is that after the Iowa primary, he jumped in Donald Trump's private plane and flew to New York. And my guess is, and I don't even know if that's true, if he jumped in the plane or not. Because, I've you know, I heard it that it was reported in the news. But <clears throat> is uh, this carbon pipeline, is that important? Now, Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network and, and North Dakota Energy Council has done a really good job of following a lot of this pipeline stuff. And he pontificated that the carbon pipeline is a blueprint and a test zone so billionaires can get billions of dollars in subsidies. And Steve, I think he's right on that. And I think that's Bergam's assignment, is to make sure that this carbon pipeline goes through.
2: There's a lot at play. And, uh, you know, Charles... and. He said all along that he's not interested in the cabinet post, but for getting that agenda through. And you take a look at that globalist agenda that he's part of, and he's uh-huh. built that model in North Dakota already. You take a look at the legislators that are afraid of the money, and he might come after me next with his pack and get me unseated. Um, he's created that environment, uh, his fiefdom, uh, that globalist model. Right here in the state of North Dakota. And anybody that doesn't think that that's the case, you're mistaken. Well,
4: you wake up, Steve. We are ground zero for the whole nation. We own our bank.
1: Absolutely. We have
4: everything that would create our own country if everything falls apart. Make sure we have that. They're Klxxam
2: Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square Media station,
0: broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union studio. Dan. The, the Top Stars Daily
1: Customers. Update, weekday mornings at eleven thirty on Super Talk twelve seventy and the free Super Talk twelve seventy app. Talk of the Town, brought to you by Big Boy. Just get in line, it moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270.
2: You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Super 1270. I'm C. Bonkin. Jeb Williams joining us from North Dakota Game and Fish. Kind of a year in review. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about some of these colder temperatures we've got coming up. Also, uh, what's coming ahead in 2024. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the late start of the ice fishing season, but, uh, year in review. So we've got all the seasons pretty much wrapped up. Um, you know, pheasant season was kind of spotty this year. I didn't get out nearly as much as I wanted to because we had a litter of puppies, but, uh, um, everybody I talked to was kind of hit and miss. Waterfowl was good this year because of the warm weather late. Uh, that turned out really well. Uh, deer season, uh, you know, people were actually concerned that it might be too warm to hang a deer. Uh, so kind of an interesting hunting season this fall.
8: Uh, yeah, no no doubt about that, Stephen. Happy New Year, by the way, to you and all the, all the listeners. And, um, you know, I, I think this fall was probably a good example of of a of a statement that you know one of our staff made a number of years ago that I've never never forgotten and you know how right he was in talking about how in North Dakota if you are if you're one dimensional, if you're somebody that just enjoys pheasant hunting or just enjoys waterfall hunting or deer hunting, that there's gonna be lots of ebbs and flows, right? But if you're somebody that 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 appreciates the outdoor opportunities in a more holistic perspective, whether it's you know catching catching pike on Lake Wahi or any of our other lakes and, you know, having the opportunity to go out and and chase, chase coyotes. um, You're always going to have something that's, that's on the upper end. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, you know, from a deer perspective, obviously there's people out there that I think we're, we're hoping they'd like to see more deer hunting opportunities so would we as a department um but you know you, you have to manage through the low number years as well and that means you know reducing opportunities reducing tags those types of things and um but you know talking about pheasants that there's no doubt that some areas we had some some really good pheasant pheasant numbers and you know a lot of weight a lot of cases a lot of places you didn't think about though no, that, and, that, and, it,
2: and, places that were like wait a minute i haven't hunted there because i haven't been pheasants there for a long time and there's good bird
8: numbers there. Yeah, and so I, you know, and then Southwest and, a little soft. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think that that's kind of has been kind of shifting the last number of years. You know, there's been, uh, you know, pretty significant habitat changes. You know, in the Southwest, you know, you go back ten to fifteen years, and that was where we had an awful lot of CRP in the state, and obviously a part of the state when you have those type type of habitat conditions, you can produce a lot of pheasants in a, in a short amount of time, or now that that trend has kind of gone away a little bit and and so some of the other parts of the state are actually doing better when it comes to pheasant hunting more so than the southwest but there's still opportunities down there you know we know that and and one of the things that was nice about this fall though is that people actually did have the entire fall to hunt yeah last year we had the early november snow that arrived and never left and i'm typically a
2: late season guy i don't get out until after thanksgiving because i like frozen slew bottoms and i'm a slew bottom guy exactly i didn't get to hunt them again this year either yeah so (laughs) they
8: were open so that's i mean that was a big difference and anytime you can anytime you have that i mean that just extends the opportunity out there people enjoy that it's Late season hunting is, uh, you know, you, you maybe don't have the crowds. You just, you know, there's lots of different things. You know, all the row crops, you know, are, are usually down, and so um, it, they're just there's some additional opportunity that's provided. And this this fall was definitely that case compared to last year, and people definitely uh, certainly you know missed that opportunity last year.
2: A lot of bird numbers up though when you start talking about sharp grouse and Hungarian partridge. The resurgence yeah. for
8: huns has been phenomenal this year yeah yeah and that's and that's been a trend the last couple of years too, but I think we're gonna even see well we yeah we we definitely will see I was gonna say I think we're gonna see it, but we we will definitely see additional harvest this year associated with our Hungarian partridge simply because of the Number one, the numbers, but then, then again, the extended fall, the extending hunting opportunity that people had when they're out, when they're out specifically pheasant hunting, but of course, you know, bumping a couple covey's of partridge. Absolutely, traditionally, I mean, in, in places that uh, kind of gets you know, a little jazz. You're well, it's fun. Hunting, you're right? like
2: sharps. I just saw sharps. Yeah, you know, I just you, saw huns. I exactly. Just, you know, that
8: mixed bag. Yeah.
2: Um, just that's part of being in the outdoors in North Dakota. You, you wind up getting that opportunity for those
8: mixed bags. Yeah, and and you know, it depends on kind of what generation you are, but there are a lot of folks that. You know, remember only going out in, you know, four sharp tails or four partridge, right. you know, and then maybe an occasional pheasant type scenario, you know, but now that switched quite a bit. And so now, but it is having that opportunity at that, at all three species when you're out there hunting is, you know, mean, meaningful.
2: You know, the fourth fun species, uh, we don't talk about it very much because uh, we have specific areas in the state, rough grouse. And I grew up rough grouse hunting. You know, Grand Forks. I'd run up to the Pemina Gorge and and do quite a bit of rough grouse hunting. Cyclical, though. You know, sure. that ten year cycle with roughies. Um, what were those numbers like this year?
8: Yeah, I mean, there. You know, our rough grouse numbers in North Dakota, like you said, are, are cyclical. But you know, being the area that they're in and the you know a pretty specific area. I mean, we we don't have you know what, certainly what we would say was is abundant rough grouse numbers and uh you know but there are there are years certainly where they're they're better than others and for folks up there that or that want to you know go seek that opportunity. It it is there. Um, you know some some years is just going to be a little better or you know a little worse than others. But there is those opportunities up there, and we get a lot of folks you know that do enjoy that and uh, you know that that quick hitting opportunity. You know, walking those trails in the uh, you know in the Turtle Mountain areas, those different types of things, and then having that kind of quick hitting opportunity with with rough grouse opportunity is definitely something different that you know, especially coming from a prairie landscape prairie opportunity in the majority part portions of North Dakota so definitely a different unique perspective for folks that, that like the grouse species
2: we're talking with Jeb Williams North Dakota Game and Fish uh, a little update of uh, what last season looked like uh, a wrap up on the year and we're going to get into uh, what the coming year 2024 is going to look like and there's some dates that are coming up rather quickly you need to know about uh, this is Talk of the Town I'm Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270
1: Super Talk 1270 Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to Talk of the Town on Talk 1270. I'm Steve and We're
2: talking with Jeff Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish, uh, year in review from last hunting season. Uh, we talked upland game. Uh, we're going to get into uh, waterfowl here in a couple minutes, but I wanted to finish up on uh, the big three. Of course, we talked a little bit about deer, but uh, moose and elk and uh, bighorn, always uh, fan favorites, partly because the license is so hard to to get i mean although it seems like i know people that are put in for 30 some years and haven't gotten that once in a lifetime draw yet and they'll have a spouse or somebody puts in for the first time and boom like, it's funny how that works <laughs>
8: luck of the draw <laughs> luck, <laughs> luck of the, of the draw right it's a it's a true lottery and so you know everybody has that the same opportunity and one of the things that you know i, I and i i always People that hear this and have heard me talk about this before, they probably roll their eyes because they know I always like to talk about this. But if a person does want to significantly increase your odds of success, you need to put in for a cow elk or a cow moose. That, I mean, it, it literally turns into a coin flip and sometimes right. even hot, more, you know, more odds in your favor of drawing than not drawing. And now I totally get it and understand it that everybody wants to shoot a, a bull moose yep. or a bull elk in North Dakota, well, right? Especially but, when you've got bull elk in North Dakota that are world record yeah. class bull elk. But, I, you know, it's just one of those things that, like I said, I totally understand everybody, and myself included, would love to shoot a bull elk or bull moose in North Dakota. But the odds are just not in your favor of ever drawing that license See, i do that so. all the
2: time and, and i used to go to colorado elk hunting all the time and uh, i would put in for my preference points for a couple of trophy zones that i like to hunt in and if i wasn't going for those trophy zones just to accrue points i was putting in for a cow herd cows are bigger and the meat's a little better i yeah, think yeah. but i wanted the elk every year yeah. Um, So, yeah, if if you're looking for, you know, it's about getting in the outdoors and and the thrill of that hunt, you know, whether it's got horns or not. uh, But if you want to do the hunt, you know, put in for that cow. Um, Moose, we have got such an incredible moose population in North Dakota that I don't think people to the eastern part of the state really understand the numbers of moose we we may have more moose than minnesota right now after they had that little disease (laughs) run through
8: we got a lot of moose yeah you know the you know this the the north central and northwest part of north dakota has you know over the last several years now our moose you know moose numbers have really filled into that area more so than the traditional northeast portion of of North Dakota and, and our numbers have been doing good. We you know, we have been putting a fair amount of pressure on them the last number of years just due to, you know, some landowner concerns, landowner tolerance, that type of thing. And and with moose it's it's quite a bit different too, right? I mean you as an apartment, when we when we issue a moose license, we pretty much count that that license is going to be harvested. It's a, a very, because very they, high success yeah. rate. Uh, moose is certainly moose, bighorn sheep. They're, you know, definitely our highest success rates. And so, um, so w- we know that in North Dakota, obviously you have that ability to, you know, remove moose, move, moose, excuse me, off the landscape in a short amount of time. If that, if that's your goal and, and like everything we do in North Dakota, there's a lot that depends on landowner tolerance. And, you know, we know that, you know, for the most part, landowners are, pretty good, pretty accepting a moose, but, you know, they are a big animal. They can, you know, get to be a pain here and there with some fences, that type of thing. And, and so- they have
2: no predators in North No, not, well, that's none, why they yeah. sit there and exactly. get big. Yeah. You know, one of the things I always look at it, with a healthy population of any of the large an- animals, um, you know, when you start seeing triplets with deer, you know it's a healthy population. When you start seeing triplets in moose, you know they have a healthy population. I'll run into moose out pheasant hunting, and more often than not, it's triplets over twins and i never see a single
8: it's just that means there's a healthy population out there yeah yeah there's no doubt we're you know we're pretty blessed with the health healthy healthy moose population you know again for for what north dakota has for our habitat base but and you know and then getting into you know just some of the neat success stories out there you know we you know, is an apartment, you know, we don't get into the record book type stuff, Steve. I mean, we all look at, you know, somebody that gets a moose license. I mean, that's a... But take that hat off a, yeah. and now you're an avid outdoorsman, well, Jeb. And you, you kind of look at that, right? Well, for sure. Everybody <laughs> has an interest in that. And there are. There are some neat success stories with that where people have taken some real magnificent animals. And this year was no, no, uh, no exception with that. It was a good year this it was, year. It was, yeah, definitely a good year. Some really exceptional moose and elk taken in North Dakota. And, and we've really been working to uh, you know there's 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 especially like with elk you know elk traditionally kind of western part of the state you know over the last number of years you know in the in the standing rock area you know we've worked with standing rock sioux tribe and and number of landowners in that area with an elk population down there well then now in the northeast Part of the state, uh, you know, Turtle Mountains, Pemina Gorge. I mean, obviously, there's always been some elk in that area, but really expanding up in that area as well. And so, um, really been working with a lot of folks up there and and trying to get some additional hunting access for hunters that draw those once in a lifetime licenses, while also trying to assist those landowners that are experiencing maybe some higher populations within that localized area. So, but the result of that population growth has been, you know, some really magnificent, you know, mature bull elk, and you also. have have the Canadian border up there which challenges things and Provincial Park right across the border where there's no hunting allowed and so those elk are certainly growing on that side of the border but then not recognizing a international boundary they come and go across the border just as you would expect they would and so that creates They're some not challenges like for us I do
2: deer hunting down on the south dakota border down in in southwestern north dakota and oh no they know the the border they yeah. also know the the, yeah. the calendar as well so
8: because yeah. south dakota is a little later than north dakota they know yeah. um bighorn yeah so you know we're we're uh we're pretty excited about our bighorn sheep population right now you know we're we're About a record high when it comes to that and some really nice mature rams which of course is the goal to remove those nice mature rams out of the population and that's where the licenses go to and you know so this last year we had a total of six licenses and uh, you know all nice really nice mature rams that were taken during the hunting season and you know we're getting closer to I I did a presentation here the other day with a state tribal relations uh, committee uh, that that, that, that the legislature puts on you know of course in in the interim and and, and they, uh, you know, met actually met in Newtown and with, uh, you know, MHA sponsoring that that meeting and and uh, had the opportunity to talk and acknowledge and thank the partnership we had with MHA as far as uh, reintroducing bighorn sheep back, uh, you know, to MHA nation lands uh, in 2020. And so those, those numbers are doing phenomenal. You know, the, the reproduction and recruitment of those, the bighorn sheep numbers. We started with approximately 30 bighorn sheep that were brought from Rocky Boy Indian Reservation, uh, just west of Haver, Montana. Nice partnership with them too to bring those into North Dakota and, So what started about 30, now we're, you know, getting close to 85 to 90 total sheep in that area. So again, reproduction has been really good. Recruitment has been, you know, really good. You know, not only seeing that reproduction, but making sure they stay within that population. Um, and so that's the key, obviously, to to the population growth, and just a phenomenal resource for people to be able to view. We get so many comments and pictures sent to us from people fishing Lake Sakakawea and seeing the bighorn sheep on the steep that's bluffs, cool. and yeah. and uh, you know while they're fishing. And so it's they're they're just a, they're just a critter that people really enjoy seeing. And so with
2: such a limited population, trying to grow that population in uh, limited licenses, uh, how? How much of a facilitator does Game and Fish act as? Because you know, there's certain animals you want culled out. I mean, do you work with the hunting parties to to manage that and go? You know, we need that older that older ram gone, um, or is it just okay? Here's your license, go out and hunt.
8: Very closely, work very closely with each one of I them. Mean, because again, it's we feel you know we feel good about the population that we have, but if somebody just blindly draws a bighorn sheep license, I mean, it's still a little bit of a needle in a haystack, right? Right. And so... Number one, you're, you know, wanting to work with them, you know, let them know, you know, where these sheep are spending a lot of time. You know, we're not, you know, we're not taking and pinpointing, you know, saying, hey, shoot this one, that type of thing. But please take the big one. Well, that, I mean, kinda... there's, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah. that, you know, that is the goal of it is that, you know, we're, you know, you try to educate people the best, the best possible saying, hey, the mature rams are the ones that we want to remove from the population. Now, it's not a exact requirement. Nobody's going to get a ticket if they don't. But yet. You know, ninety nine percent of the time people do, and it, but that, that's, that's the management side it is. of this. So, yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, working with the hunters and uh, North Dakota Game and Fish Executive Director Jeb Williams. This is Talk of the Town on Super Talk
0: twelve seventy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: In Talk lineup is on Super Talk 1270. Check out the program schedule at SuperTalk1270.com and on the free Super Talk 1270 app. Talk of the Town, brought to you by. Big boy, just get in line. It moves fast. Dakota Pharmacy and Dakota Natural Health Center. We're here to help you stay well. Trademark Realty, Peak Automotive and Service, and Silver Ranch. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270.
2: You're to Talk of the Town on Talk 1270. I'm Steve Biden, along with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish Executive Director. And... Uh, you know we had a pretty good uh, fishing season this last year. Open water fishing. We're going to get to ice here in just a little bit, but uh, um, wow, I, I
8: I didn't need bait. You just threw the hook in, and, and you wound up with a really nice walleye. Yeah, I I mean honestly, Steve, backing up too. I mean, you go back three, four, five, even even beyond that, and you you know it seemed like every year you're kind of saying to yourself, you're like, gosh, is it. Can it get better? Well, it, it has. It has continued to get better and better. And what we're seeing and some of our data, um, you know, the course that's collected throughout the open water fishing season is that it's going to go down on record as the best walleye season in North Dakota open water fishing season. Some and big uh, fish came in yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, just, and, you know, just the... Just the abundance of fish and, you know, of course we always talk about our big three, Uh, you know, we just, you know, we talked about our big three hunting wise a little bit ago, but, you know, we the big three lakes, North Dakota, Devil's Lake, Oahe and Sakakawea obviously, you know, put out a lot of that, but our prairie lakes, you know from all corners of the state, have been very, very productive these last number of years, too. There's a lot of little honey holes around North Dakota that yeah. people don't go, whoa, wait yeah. a minute, there's some nice fish in here. Yeah, and it's so nice just, you know, just due to the fact that, you know, one of the, one of the things that people, majority people anyway, that like so much when they like to go out fishing, they they... They like, obviously, the space, right? They don't like crowds. They don't like long lines, those types of things. So anytime we could have more opportunity like we had, like, say, in 2023 and even, even uh, you know, past that, it just spreads people out, right? Well, and the opportunities at the Prairie Lakes, because you used to think about,
2: that little slough bottom that turned into a lake that, uh, okay, there's some pretty good pan fishing in there or perch fishing. And those opportunities have expanded because now they're a, a good walleye lake or a good Northern Lake, um, good bass Lake there. The
8: opportunities from a, okay, what do I want to go fish for today? They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you person doesn't have to look very far. And no. that's, and that's, you know, I always say this too, is it, it's so nice, you know, as a kid that grew up in beach, North Dakota, where Lakes Cacahuilla was not right in, in my backyard and, but fishing opportunities are still you really, might have been a really to Fort Peck, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that but the fishing opportunities are just important to you know a kid growing up there as they are. That if that say if you grew up in Garrison, you just have a little better opportunity. If you grew up in Garrison, you know, it, as far as that you know the big lake experience goes. But so it's just nice being able to see the opportunities given to the public all across the state with these smaller prairie lakes where you don't have to travel as far, you know, to some of those bigger destinations. Well,
2: let's. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the big three and uh, actually i'll say three and a half because we'll come back to the missouri river here um but uh, devil's lake was like big producer winter ice fishing walleye uh in the summer great lake um um Sakaka-wee has kind of
8: <laughs> blown it out of the water yeah, it, it it has it, you know, and, and you know, and we saw that too. I mean, a lot of people asking a lot of questions. Obviously, there's lots of forage fish in there. That's a good thing. Anytime you know you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking to grow in that population, having good, healthy fish. That's super important. Obviously, water levels. We've been blessed with good water levels the last couple of years. When we were actually, you know, kind of concerned, not too many years ago about. The direction of Lakes Kakawea water levels. And so we've been blessed, you know, with some good spring rains and and snows in Montana that have really contributed to filling up Lakes Kakawea and then being able to maintain that that, uh, elevation level as well. So super important, you know, when it comes to that fishery and And obviously the sustainability of that lake and reproduction of, you know, the the game species, but then also, again, the forage fish, those types of things.
2: So with what we're at right now with this winter and not a whole lot of snow, we had a lot of saturation, a lot of moisture in the soil, that rain event that that we had here. Uh, You didn't get that a little further to the west. Uh, Montana's been fairly dry in eastern Montana. Um, Are there concerns from Game and Fish about some of those water levels coming up this
8: spring? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say concerns. I mean, we went into, you know, this, this winter in, in better, better condition as far as that lake elevation goes. <laughs> um you know so we're we're situated just a little bit better if if we do get into a scenario where we don't get a lot of runoff from Montana now obviously it would be sure sure be nice if we would get some good runoff from Montana and hopefully that winter snowpack picks up a little bit for any of the ski you know folks that out there that like skiing they they'd like that as well but then you know again just for from our our lake standpoint we we sure hope that that picks up a little bit in in some of those areas too
2: awahoe also great fishery this last summer yeah. um you know it, it you guys work of course with uh, south dakota game and fish uh managing that as we share that uh That resource. Uh, One of the things that popped up in Oahu, though, that is a little concerning, zebra mussels.
8: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, not only the fact that, you know, zebra mussels, but adult zebra mussels, that, that tells you that they've probably been there a while. Now, the good news is, is that, you know, it's a ways away from our border and, you know, of course, downstream from us. So that's obviously good news. But, you know, one of the things that's, you know, unfortunately that we know about zebra mussels is that usually the way they move is, is by people right when it yeah. comes to that type of scenario we know there's a lot of activity of people you know coming going you know north dakota south dakota i mean fishing lake oahe you know both on our side and, and south dakota side and then you know coming back into different parts and different areas and so just the continued message of of uh you know making sure that you know your your boat your your clean, drain, and dry, right? I mean, that... That's, well, it's not just the boat, though. Yeah. It's uh, ice fishing. Yeah.
2: Uh, because mm-hmm. people that are ice fishing, you pick up and go drag the equipment from one to the other, and if you got a little uh, little foliage you might have picked up out of your hole and you pop over to another body of water, you, you have to be diligent year-round when it comes to zebra mussels. Yeah, it's not just
8: summer. That's a good point, Steve. I mean, I think there's no doubt that the risk is less, you know, in the winter months, just because of, you know, you have you have much more control over the situation as far as that... You know the hole that you that you're ice fishing in front of versus say a boat type mm-hmm. scenario that you know that uh, you, you know a lot of times even if you're if you're doing everything correct you know even in a boat scenario or a dock scenario that type of thing that you know sometimes they can find those little hiding spots but yeah there's no doubt that people just you know we need to continue to ha- have that education out there to protect our our, um, our 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 bodies of water the best we can against you know zebra mussels. I'm going to go back to the half now, uh, Missouri River, and
2: I don't think I've ever seen boats this late this year. A couple of weeks ago, we had I counted 12 boats uh, from the Memorial Bridge on the river, and it, I mean, wow, and they were hammering them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it has been, it had been a great fall.
8: As long as that weather held, it was a great fall on the Missouri River. Yeah. Yeah, I... You, a person always kind of wonders, and I visited with a couple of them that I knew that were out there, and I, you know, just kind of teasing them a little bit, just wondering: is you were one of them? Is it? No, my my, <laughs> my boat's in storage, so I didn't even have any opportunity. But but I, I, I talked to people yeah. that were pounding them off the bank. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. this fall, and I, I was just curious though: of is it the is it the uniqueness of the experience or our people doing really well fishing and i think it was both i both, mean people yeah. people were really catching good fish but you know too, just the uniqueness of being able to and say you the river in
2: Bismarck, <laughs> right the end of december it's, yeah. it's, it was crazy year for that yeah
8: but the fish numbers were there they were yeah people were really catching some nice fish i saw some pictures and talked to a guy down at uh, pony express and yeah, he was showing me some of the fish he was catching and so it was nice but you know i was asking you know kind of asking some of those guys too you know do you ever get kind of nervous about the ramp, you know, a little bit freezing up a little bit just throughout, you know, that our days were so nice that, you know, obviously if it was super early in the morning or, you know, late in the day after, you know, people pulling boats out and then the ramp maybe getting a little slick towards the end of the day. But I just, man, I could see myself getting into a bad scenario situation with, you know, (laughs) jackknife on my boat and my, my pickup sliding down the ramp. And yeah, but I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that. But
2: well, that's what those steel grates on the uh, boat ramps are for. Well, I
8: don't know. Some have them. Some don't. So, yeah.
2: Um, so getting into some of the ice fishing, the, because now we're transitioning with the colder weather. Uh, we're finally getting into some ice fishing. Um still extremely dangerous ice conditions out there.
8: Yeah, I think, you know, certainly with the conditions we're getting into now, you know, we're we're building some pretty good ice, but, yeah, I, you know, just like we were just talking about, I mean, people open water fishing here in January in right. North Dakota, and, um, you know, anybody who was, you know, pheasant hunting up until the last weekend of the season, and, you know, first weekend in January, still, you know, breaking through in different parts of the state, walking sloughs, that type of thing. I mean, that's just not, doesn't normally happen, and so, um, but, definitely this stretch now we're going to build a lot of ice and it's going to be good ice you know and we don't have any snow on top of it that type of thing as far as insulation wise so there's going to be some good ice that's, that's built but yeah we're not we're not starting this in middle of january with a with a tremendous ice base so people still need to be uh you know i think uh educate, educate themselves on what those conditions are
2: just going back to the open water uh real quickly though uh so Pretty good opportunity to catch a new state record walleye in Bismarck Mandan uh coming up next spring. Well, right.
8: I I I think where we're at in our fishery scenario. I think that opportunity exists every spring. Now. Might, might yeah. be out there, folks.
2: Yeah. Uh we're talking with Jeff Williams. We're to go to Game and Fish. We're gonna talk ice fishing when we come back from the break. This is Talk of the Town on
1: Super Talk 1270. Super Tal. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You're tuned to
2: Talk of the Town on SuperDuck 1270. I'm Steve buying along with Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish Director. And, uh, you know, I want to finish up a little bit on uh, some of the ice. Uh, right now, ice conditions, because of the warm weather we've had, uh, may look okay, but don't trust
8: it. Really don't trust it right now. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, that's that's a good good way to start it, Steve. Bring your and safety stuff with for you. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things we just... You know, considering we're mid-January now, or close to anyway, it's uh, this is a discussion we
2: usually have in November, right?
8: We're we're just not in normal normal conditions, and you know we're definitely gonna be building some ice with the colder temperatures now. But up until up and up to this point, uh, you know, there's there's been areas where you know you have maybe six, seven inches of, of ice, and um you know, and and like you pointed out earlier too, we've just been getting. You know, so much melting and, you know, then buildings, a little bit ice, but then melting again, you know, and so it's just, there's just been a lot of inconsistency and so, you know, where people are going to be venturing out a little bit more now, now, you know, moving forward, the ice is... Definitely to be building some, but I think just next reminder out there is always always a good thing when, especially you know, when we're in a year like this.
2: Safety first. Bring your safety equipment. Let people know where you're going, what time you're going to be back, all of that uh, good safety protocol. I want to get into uh, 2024 opening dates. You've got some dates coming up. Uh, spring turkey, of course, uh, that's the
8: first one on the docket. It is. Yeah, we uh, you know the, the 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 spring turkey proclamation is. Uh, is, is, has been submitted to the governor and, uh, you know, our, the recommendation is to, you know, in, increase, you know, on the number of licenses. And so, you know, that'll be coming out here fairly soon, but you're right. That's the first one. And, uh, we hope to have those, uh, the, the application, uh, online here right around the 18th, uh, 19th of January, somewhere around there. And, and then, you know, after that, you know, some of the season, you know, the, the tentative opening dates for that is April 13th and, And then, of course, you know, our opening dates that we have put forward for our 2024 season all on our website. But, you know, deer and and, uh, deer bow season, August 30th and dove, you know, the standard September, September 1st, youth deer, September 13th. Uh, And then after that, we have, uh, you know, just a kind of a march of our uh, upland Upland game seasons, which open up every, you know, consecutive weekend and waterfall season. So, you know, September, October there, pretty much have every open, every weekend there's an opening season going on. So anybody interested in our tentative open dates, just jump on our website and check it out and make sure to get it marked on your calendar. Uh, One of the things with the
2: website, you guys have really done a really good job with the electronic postings of things. Uh, That information has been phenomenal the mapping and everything uh uh, fill us in a little bit about where that program is
8: yeah so it's uh, you know continues to grow uh you know we we've seen growth every every year uh there's 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 approximately this year was you know right around nine million acres posted electronically The, the to me the most important stat that is really important important to point out is that uh, landowners that are signing up electronically, posting their property, uh, of course, by law, they don't have to put a phone number on that, but there is an option to do that. And this year, 58% of those individuals did put a phone number on there, which hunters really, really appreciate. And, you know, if you can have that connectivity there, um, you know, if somebody's willing to put their phone number out there, uh, that generally means that they're probably at least willing to give you you know, least willing to visit with you and might not work out for that particular weekend, but you know, who knows it might be another weekend. So again, just increasing the communication between those two parties is key. And, um, you know, lots of opportunities to continue to make electronic posting better. And I think there's ways that we can continue to do that. But, you know, so far, I think everybody's been fairly comfortable with, the with the electronic posting system. Bottom
2: line, it comes back to landowner relations. Get out there and and be a good steward of the land. The landowner is. Um, the farmer, the rancher, very good stewards of the land. Um, as a hunter, being able to utilize those opportunities, be very grateful for that as well. Um, but the phone number piece is, I, I, I find that the best part because I was a little sad when Phone numbers didn't have to be on the posted signs anymore, and it made a little harder to keep up some of those relationships or build those relationships. But that's really the key to hunting opportunities here in North Dakota.
8: Well, it is, and it's it. it you know, again, a person has some options in North Dakota. I mean, we there are there is some public land in North Dakota, whether it be. True public land, or whether it be Air Plots program or private land open to sportsmen, um, but you know the majority of the landscape in North Dakota is privately owned. And if a person is going to have the hunting experience and opportunities in North Dakota, um, you're going to need to form those relationships with private private landowners to to really expand that base. That's that's the majority of the of the of the land in North Dakota.
2: And those hunting opportunities really starts with the kids. So take a kid hit hunting, take a kid fishing, uh, but that starts with hunter education classes. And you guys are always looking for instructors.
8: We are, yeah, and, and anytime if there's somebody interested in becoming a hunter ed instructor, really encourage them to, to contact us and talk to them. It's a, it's a mentor program as well to where they can, you know, learn under an existing hunter ed instructor and become comfortable with the with the instruction part and the class, all those types of things, and just a very rewarding program, you know, for those individuals that, uh, you know, like to volunteer and like to volunteer with something they feel very passionate about, and that's, of course, instructing our, our future hunters about uh, about the right and wrong ways of, of going about your business. And this
2: is really the time of the year where you need to be thinking about that, uh, whether you're, you've got a, a youngster that's getting into hunting. Um, what are the criteria? You have to be 12 years old. Uh, and, and then um, you, you really you got to get the kids into those classes because those classes sometimes are a little bit full.
8: Yeah, so uh, there's there's a couple key things on that is that, you know, there, there are opportunities for people to sign up for our text alerts when classes become available because they do fill up fast. Um, but this is the time of year when you need to be looking into that. And so if your child is turning is turning 12 during the calendar year. They are eligible then, you know, for a class. So if they're 11 right now, but are, you know, turning in November, turning 12 in November, they can get into a class, you know, right now. And so uh, be looking for that if you if your child does need hunter education and, and you want to get him through that now is the time to start looking we have all of our courses offered on on, on our website uh, on under online classes and and uh, opportunities there but then you can also get some text alerts to become aware of the of the classes ND game and
2: fish uh, ndgf.gov uh, for all things Jeb thanks for joining us this morning this is talk at the town on Talk 1270 have a great weekend Bobcats tonight on Super talk 1270
1: XXAM Mandan Bismarck, a town
0: square media station broadcasting from the view community credit union studio for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.